Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Kaylin Patterson, PCC, Muffle, and Real Talk, and, and everything else you can imagine. Wow. Catching you guys a little bit early, huh? Yeah, yeah. We thought about that. <laughs> so we did. So we did. But anyhow, this program is sponsored by P4P Muffle, the number one drug free sponsorship foundation in all of the world. And if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to spend on in a dream. Like, what the word? Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like Mac Chuckoo ice cream. <laughs> Even in the middle of a snowy evening in April. No. Uh-oh. If you got snow. Yeah, we got snow. We got snow. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Even you, Jon Snow. Even you. Oh. But anyhow, check us out at P4BMuscle.com. And now let us chit-chat with the banter. Hello, Desiree, and your snowy days. Hello. So are you not, you not have any snow there in Kankakee? No, I was actually cutting the lawn on a sunny day. <laughs> well, and I'm going to guess that, Dr. Peter, you do not have any snow where you are either. We have we have no snow at all. It's seventy eight degrees here currently. <laughs> oh wow. Great Man. vitamin D making weather. That's right. Oh. That's right. Great vitamin D <laughs> and all that red light. You can't go wrong. Lots of it. Nope. <laughs> well unfortunately <laughs> I have clouds and snow, so you and Kaylin definitely have the better end of the stick. <laughs> Uh, on this evening, on this early evening, it's, you know, it's 5.30 our time, Central Standard Time. It's not 7 our normal time. Um, we're, we're doing a little switching up here in the short term. Um, P4P Real Talk might be making some transitions. And so we're working through those uh, transition pains, if you will. So hopefully you guys uh, got the message and are, are tuning in. And because we're going to have a fantastic show. And in fact, we've been talking about this show that we're going to have tonight for quite a while. We're always talking about a different subject. Um, we've been talking about light therapy and vitamin D and just all sorts of things with Dr. Dr. Peter Chahansky. And, uh, and the question of cancer always seems to come up somewhere in our conversations. And so tonight by Joe. We're actually, we're going to talk Bye, about Joe. it. We keep saying that's a longer discussion. We're going to have to talk about that in another show. And that show is Bye, here John. tonight, Bye, right golly. now. By golly. But before we dive into it, uh, Dr. Peter, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and give a quick overview of who you are and what you do. And let's chit chat Absolutely. Well, thanks again for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I am Dr. Peter Chahansky. I'm a health optimization practitioner out here in Southern California, originally from the East Coast in Massachusetts, where it's probably cool. And I don't know if it's snowy there, but I'm sure it's cool there as well. But I've been out here 31 years almost uh, practicing. And, um, you know, I'm a licensed chiropractor, but I am involved in so many other things as uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of the shows that we've done um, will actually lead up to what we are going to talk about today because, believe it or not, we started talking about cancer without even knowing it because 
everything we every show we've done in the past with water, we did a show on red light, we did a show on blue light, and the shows that we've done all relate to a cancer diagnosis and some of the things that would be extremely beneficial to do if you have such a diagnosis. So, but we'll kind of put some of the pieces of the puzzle together today and um, we'll see how far we can get. All right. Very good. And I had forgotten about the water show and that was actually a fantastic show. I had several people who are like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that there was so much to know about water. About Absolutely. water. We did so also that, the, earthing, the earthing and grounding show. and um, That's right. I, yep. And so this all, all of those um, will relate to what we will be talking about today. We'll, like I said, we'll put the pieces of the puzzle together as best we can. Um, but what I think the best thing to do would be to start, and, and let's just keep this really simple, right? Let's talk about this, this awful disease that um, everybody seems to fear, which for, for good reason, but let's see if we can define it and give it a, um, <clears throat> a definition so that we can all kind of grasp what, what cancer really is, okay? So um, yeah. a general definition of cancer, it's a disease involving abnormal cell growth with the potential to invade or spread to other parts of the body, okay? And so the average human body is constructed of approximately 6 trillion cells, okay? Oh. And so cancer is a disease involving these cells. It can be any one of the 6 trillion or more. So let's just define what a cell is, and let's make it really simple. Um, the average cell, okay, is we'll, we'll, we'll compare a cell to a city. Each cell is its own little city in your body, okay? Each cell contains a power plant, you know, um, which is our mitochondria, and we've done and talked about mitochondria, so that's not a new subject for us. Each cell has a, a town hall where all of the instructions and blueprints how all the structures are supposed to work in the city, like the power plant and the, the garbage disposal uh, plant and all of the other plants, that's housed in something called the nucleus. We'll call the nucleus the town hall, and in that is the instruction manual. That's the DNA, okay? That's the DNA in your body's built-in instruction manual as to how everything's supposed to operate. But you have a nucleus in each cell, and with the instructions for that cell. And there's other things, like I said, like a waste management facility, et cetera. And so if you can think of each cell as its own little city, the town that you live in, all the neighboring towns are all separate cells, okay, having their own utility plants and their own police and fire and that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. each cell lives in a community of like cells, okay? So if you take like a, like a housing tract, in California we have a lot of housing tracts where all the houses kind of look alike. Well, think of those as all separate cells, but they all are together. And when you look at them together, that forms an organ or a gland or other tissues such as muscles, nerves, and skin. So those, those, um, those organs all contain, this, contain the same type of cells or little cities that have a specified purpose. 
and they all together will form your heart or your brain so that everybody can communicate and work together, okay? So now how does cancer get involved in this whole process? Because it's, it's, it's an abnormal cell growth. And believe it or not, we all have abnormal cell growth at all times in our body, okay? Yes. So this is not mm-hmm. abnormal or unnatural, but the big question is, why doesn't everybody have cancer, right? Yes. And, and, and so the, the short answer is it all depends on your body's ability to identify that there is an abnormally growing cell and take care of it before it becomes something. And what that part of the body is is your immune system. Right, your immune system is the system in your body that, like the stuff that we're going through today with this with this virus, if you have a strong immune system, it does not seem to impact you. If you have a compromised immune system, those are the people that are having the worst problems with this coronavirus that's going around. Okay, yeah. so it's yep. the key of your immune system to take care of business. And so really what we, we have to talk about is that immune system and break it down. But before we do that, um, do you guys have any comments or questions so far? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we, Carol, Go ahead, Kalen. We have somebody that actually uh, is listening with us earlier, and that's Carolyn. She wants to know, how we get our bodies to fight back with an already healthy body. It's a little confusing for her. Fight back okay. uh, when it comes to uh, can- cancer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, well if, I, if I can, because I think we're going to get to that part, so I have one comment yep. that I want to throw in before we go down that road, because I feel like that's kind of going to be the crux of the show is, I'm just glad that you made the statement about, um, you know, immune systems and, you know, when you have a healthier immune system, your body is better able to fight off, you know, whatever invades it. And I think that's a big part that folks are missing, especially with the coronavirus, um, because they're not thinking along those lines. They're just looking at the impact of the virus and what they're going to hope is with, is going to be the solution for it, which is of some future vaccine somewhere down the road, and not really taking note of the folks that are um, fighting the virus and overcoming it um, versus those who are not, because both things are still going on. And I'm glad that you are, and we are going to be broaching the subject of, you know, if everybody has the potential for cancer, why isn't everybody getting it? So I think there's going to be a lot of eye-opening and basic questions that can get answered tonight, or at least, you know, start the conversation that will hopefully lead to more productive thought on these topics. Because when cancer, I mean, cancer scary. I mean, it used to be when people said cancer, it was an automatic, you know, death sentence. Nobody survived cancer. And even though cancer still sucks and still killing a great deal of people, there are a lot of people today living with cancer, battling cancer, fighting through it than there ever had been before. And with COVID-19, you know, 
even though it seems like if you get it, it's a death threat, you know, it, it's not an automatic death threat. So I just wanted to infuse those, you know, words of positivity in there before we get too far down the road. So go ahead and carry on. Carol's question, it's a question on everybody's mind. You know, if I don't have cancer, why don't I have it if I have the potential for it? And if I'm healthy, is there a way to make sure that I don't get it? Right. So let's let's do this uh, first because we have to distinguish. Um, <clears throat> there's two theories as to how cancer starts, okay? So I think we need to get this out um, uh, in the room. Basically, in 1971, okay, President Nixon, he waged a war on cancer. He said, we now understand cancer. We now know how to sow. We're going to eradicate and exterminate this disease. Now, that was 50 years ago, and we have not done that yet, okay? And, there's, and here's the reason we haven't done that yet. There's actually two main theories as to how cancer starts or where it starts in your cell, okay? And I'm going to first go with theory A, which is where 99% of the research from the American Cancer Society um, and any research that is done in cancer goes into theory A, okay? And theory A is treating cancer as a genetic disease. Basically, your genes, your DNA, right? You're, you have your town hall in your cell where your instruction manual is, where your DNA is. Theory A in 1971 and currently um, says that is where cancer starts, okay? It's, it starts in the instruction manual in the town hall where, where the instructions are not proper. Something goes awry in the, in the manual as to how a cell is supposed to be run and then that cell will break down, okay? So that is theory A. And with that, um, treatment involves, as everybody knows, chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation, okay? Those treatments are trying to develop drugs and therapies to fix the instruction manual, which is reading the wrong instructions or has the wrong instructions in them. So... That's theory A, and we have already seen in the last 50 years that that has not been as successful as they thought it would be at treating cancer from that approach, okay? So keep that in mind. And then theory B is – and theory B has been around since 1931. Um, a gentleman named Otto Warburg won a Nobel Prize for his research in this area, and theory B says cancer is a metabolic disease which begins in the power plant of the cell. And we all know what the power plant is. That's the mitochondria. And mm-hmm. with theory B, the, there is a breakdown of the equipment in the mitochondria, which then does not allow it to make enough energy or power for the city, which is the rest of the cell, and therefore, you have a power outage or shortage, and the cell becomes sick and becomes cancerous. So those are the two main theories that are in play when we're going to be having our discussion today. Okay, there may be other theories out there, 
But these are the two that are um, that everybody is looking at. And so from there, we can look at we can we already know about the first theory, okay, in, in the drugs we've been using, and, and everybody kind of knows that approach, okay, because it's, it's what Western medicine practices. Um, the rest of the world, however, does not necessarily practice that way, and there are all kinds of alternative things to do in other parts of the world to treat cancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what I would like to do is I would like to, you know, talk about some of I want to talk about everything, but let's go down a road and see if we can and, and you know I'm not going to try to tell you which theory is proper, but I'm going to give you information, and you guys can use critical thinking to see which what you think might be the the theory that is most um, appropriate i guess to 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 go down so there's there's something called the Human Genome Project that was done in 2006. And basically that was when we were able to sequence. So that instruction manual in everybody's DNA, it is billions and trillions of, of lines long, okay? And everybody's is different. But we were able in 2006 to decipher this instruction manual and decode it. And so from that, we then figured that, okay, we can make drugs now that can look at these mutations in this instruction manual. And this is what medicine has been trying to do for decades, to find a, a, a cure for a certain type of cancer using a certain chemotherapeutic agent. But in 2012, what they did, since they could decode normal cells, they figured they could take cancer cells. Let's just take um, a breast cancer cell, okay, since that's a very common cancer. And if they took five breast cancer cells from the same person, I'm sorry, from different people, and then decoded them reading the instruction manual, so you should be able to see what went wrong in the instruction manual to cause this cell to become breast cancer. And so what they did is they went through the whole process with, these, with each individual cell from each types of cancer and so that they could come up with the drug once they found the mutation. Well, lo and behold, this was in 2012, and what they found should tell most people what road they should start going down. What they found was that every single cancer cell from the same type of cancer, let's say breast cancer, when they decoded it, every single one of them had a different mutation. So cancer cells are like snowflakes. No two are alike. So you can have the exact same cancer. And even within your own body, you can have two breast cancer cells that have different uh, mutations. So that right there tells us that how do you make a drug that 
can take care of breast cancer when everybody has a different mutation in that cancer cell that's giving them that breast cancer. It would have to be mm. a custom drug for that individual, which is, is, is probably not going to happen. So that is a big reason why there's um, been a challenge with theory A to, to cure cancer in many people. There are successes, of course, but there's not an overall success rate that's higher today than it was 50 years ago. The only difference is people are living longer with cancer, but when you think about living longer with cancer, you think about living longer with a, um, a decreased level of uh, health and uh, quality of life, right? So that's, that's where that, what theory A is, is currently in. There have been a number of experiments, and this experiment, um, you can, it's been duplicated many times, okay? So when, let me just, I've got a couple notes here. Just let me make sure I've got them uh, in order here. Um, okay. So remember, we're trying to decipher, and I want to get this out in the clear so that when we start talking about some of these things, you'll kind of know where our country as a whole is going and where the rest of the world is going. And they've had a lot of success. And in our country, this is gaining a lot of success, some of the things that we will talk about. Okay. So, you know, we, we told, we, we said that a cancer cell or I'm sorry, a cell is a city which has a DNA town hall, which is all the instruction manuals, and then it houses, we have the rest of the city. Let's think of it as um, it, it's, it's got a, it, it's a sea of water because a cell is literally a perimeter, a wall with a bunch of cytoplasm, which is water in it, and all the equipment and the utilities, everything. It's basically like an undersea city, Okay. So the nucleus, which houses the DNA, and then the rest of the equipment, the mitochondria, right, the power plant, and everything else is in this sea of water that's called cytoplasm. So here's, here's the definitive um, experiment that has been done that can kind of also lead you down a road. So when you take the nucleus, which is the town hall, the DNA of a healthy cell, okay? And if you transfer that healthy town hall into a separate city that also has a healthy cytoplasm, that cell has offspring because we don't just have one cell for life. Our cells multiply and divide constantly. So, the new cell that spawns from that transfer of a healthy DNA nucleus to a healthy cytoplasm spawns healthy daughter cells. Okay. They're called daughter cells. Okay. So now if you take a healthy nucleus again and transfer it to another cytoplasm that has cancer in it, mm. A, a cancerous cytoplasm, the offspring of that cell with a healthy nucleus and a cancerous cytoplasm are cancerous cells. 
So even though you put a healthy nucleus in there, which is the instruction manual, so if the instruction manual were the big problem, it's healthy, so that should make that cancerous cell healthy now because you took the cancerous uh, cancerous one out of there, okay? But the new cells from that are cancerous. When you then do the opposite and take a DNA cancerous cell and you put it in a healthy cytoplasm, the new cell is healthy. So what that, and you can do this, this has been done hundreds of times. So, so basically what that shows is that it's what's in the cytoplasm that's going to make the future cells healthy or unhealthy, not what's in the instruction mm-hmm. manual, okay? And so basically it's true that the instruction manual does get mutated, but what theory B says is that when you have a healthy mitochondria, a healthy power plant, even if you have a cancerous DNA or, or, or nucleus, that eradicates the cancer or the mutation and the new cells are healthy. So that's kind of the, the two theories, the, 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 the modern medical model that we currently use in this country 99% of the time, and then the other model where cancer begins in the mitochondria and in the power plant. Something goes wrong with the power plant not making enough energy for the cell. Okay? So, that's, so those are the two theories we're going to go off of. Go ahead. So the two trains of thoughts then are cancer is A, train thought A is it's genetic, or B, there's a breakdown in the um, – in, at the cellular level, and that's what creates the cancer. So it's not necessarily Correct. genetic, but it's it's a mishap it's, it's called, the cell, at the it's cellular the level meta, that anybody could have. It's it's called so theory B is called the metabolic theory of cancer. Many books have been written about yeah. it. The the leading authorities in this country are Dr. Thomas Zapri, Dr. Dominic Diagostino, and the big Bible in that area is cancer as a metabolic disease. Okay, so that it's it's got a lot of traction in this country currently, and there's a lot of promising uh, therapeutics based on this showing extreme benefit. And I'll give you one quick example. There is a chemo. So in some of these drug companies that make chemotherapeutic drugs have caught on to this. There's one drug called Gleebeck which is now a drug that does not target the DNA in trying to, to fix a mutation, but it, rather it targets the mitochondria. And that drug has a 99% effectiveness rate when, it, when you treat a, a cancerous mitochondria or metabolic side of the cytoplasm with this Gleebeck. So that is something that is now you know, some of these companies are catching on to this that develop these um, therapies. So it's the, okay. the genetic cancer as a genetic disease versus cancer as a metabolic disease. And we're going to mm-hmm. focus pretty much the rest of the show 
on cancer as a metabolic disease because any oncologist will, you know, will explain, and we could talk about it too, but those are the only three. And I don't know about the rest of these states, but in the state of California, any person that presents to a medical practitioner with a diagnosis of cancer can only be given three therapeutic choices. A, surgery, B, chemotherapy, or C, radiation. And it is against, it's unethical for them to, uh, to give any other information out to a patient. So I don't know if that is also in other, uh, other states, but that's what we have in California. So nobody's going to talk about the metabolic theory of cancer. That's why I figured we would cover that here. And then anybody that is interested can go and look, and I'll give some good resources for that. So you have both sides of the story, a diagnosis of cancer, and you go see an oncologist. He will never tell you about the metabolic side, but I want everybody to know that there oh, is wow. another side of this. So that don't no, be it's, – it's very uh, frightening to – to have that first consult with an oncologist and it, it, it's very scary and, and they will lead you down a road that you would find hard to turn back and go somewhere else. But if you know that there is another road that you can at least explore and get information about that at least gives you options. And that, and you know that I'm glad you bring that up because I've, not sure what the laws are here in Iowa, but I do know that those three options that you listed are basically the, the core options that anyone who gets diagnosed with cancer are going to receive here from, you know, a traditional medical model oncologist. And I've seen, you know, in my family alone, I've seen brain cancer. 